Morning, bro. How's my audio? Yep. Good, mate. Audio is perfect. Sweet. I'm just sitting in the gym. I've only got 4G, so... Um, oh, nice. No, it's still clear I, as then. Thought I'd go outside because Sash is talking to students online, so... Yep, good on you. Good on you. Nice. Well, here we are. We're here. First <laughs> we podcast. Here. First podcast. Have you, have you recorded a podcast before by yourself? I've never reported, recorded a podcast on my own. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're both learning. <laughs> the journey begins. Mate. The journey begins. The journey begins. All right. Well, we might as well introduce ourselves and then we can go from there. Sweet. Sounds yeah. good, mate. All right. So, kia ora, everyone. My name's Ray um, and I'm with Hayden Pritchard. And this is our first podcast of Weightlifting Yarns. Um, for those that don't know me, my name's Ray. Obviously, I'm from New Zealand and um, a very big weightlifting enthusiast. Uh, been in the sport formally, I guess, since um, start 2014, but um, came across the barbell and CrossFit. Didn't so much like the fitness, and and I'm here today. Um, yeah, uh, background is of a teacher, which we'll go into later on. So. Um, the coaching game is, is I've really loved that. And um, yeah, we'll dig into some more of that in the future podcast. Hayden. Cool. Um, so my name's Hayden Pritchard. I too am from uh, New Zealand, from a little town called Palmerston North. Um, and my background actually began in powerlifting. So I was a competitive powerlifter and competed um, at a couple of world champs in the IPF. Um, and that kind of was the start of my strength journey and then played around in CrossFit for a little bit before finding weightlifting. Um, and yeah, that's kind of just taken over as a passion of mine because it kind of combines the strength of powerlifting with the speed of athletics, which I used to do in high school. Yeah. Um, in terms of professional background, like Ray, I'm an educator as well. So I'm a tertiary education. Um, so i teach on the Bachelor of Applied Science here at UCO and Palmerston North, which is uh, the exercise science branch of that. So I'm quite lucky in that I get to teach in the area that is also my passion. Um, and I've been, at, been lucky enough to study that as well and um, completing my PhD through AUT um, under Mike McGregor up there. So, yeah, that's me. Awesome. Awesome. I guess it's, um, it's an easy segue into a topic around um, our backgrounds and then into coaching, um, education's been a passion of mine for a long time. I, I knew I wanted to be a teacher when I was um, around in my year 11, so fifth form year, I kind of figured. And it sounds crazy, but it was like, I've got such shitty teachers, I'm pretty sure I could do a, a better job. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of where it started. And then... Um, I had quite a rapid rise in education, not because, well, partly because I'm male Māori is probably one way, but I never wanted to rely on that. But um, it was it was just I was deeply passionate about learning. Um, it stayed always in the forefront for me. It was like, how do we reach kid A, kid B, and kid X, and kid Z, and kid, kid Y? Like, how do we keep them engaged? This doesn't work for them what do we need to do? And it was always about that and um, kind of progressed quickly into principalship within three and a half years of starting teaching. Um, 
What sort of school so were you at? So I right? started at a small, uh, well, it was a small rural school, but wasn't real small. I guess it was, it was certainly 300 kids. And then I went as a principal to Tiako Primary School, which is on the west coast, just out of Hamilton. And that was a school of, there were around 60 at that time. So it was a pretty small school. Um, but it was a bit of a baptism by fire. Um, it was like, you don't really um, know about or learn how to be a principal without being a principal. And I think the correlation to weightlifting is very clear because how do you become a weightlifting coach without being in, just getting involved in weightlifting? Um, you learn quick and fast and the, on the job and you have to learn um, real fast. So kind of, um, yeah, that's kind of where the background in education is. I think it's a good, um, shows a good progression in, in around my philosophies to coaching. And which which I'm looking forward to really unpacking with you as well. Yeah, yeah. And what about you? What, what so you studied and then, uh, but obviously you lecture, Hayden. Um, so, what sorts of numbers of t- of students and uh, do you think you see annually? How many? How many are you seeing? Um, so, with our degree, when I first started teaching on it in 2013, I think it was. 2013, yeah, I think it was 2013. I first started at UCOL. Um, we probably had around 40 yep. in the first year, um, and then over the course of the three years, we might end up with 25 to 30 of those um, working through yep. to that third year. So it kind of depended which um, year you're teaching. So if you have first year papers, I guess you have slightly more. Whereas if you have a second or third year, your, your numbers might be reduced by say, you know, 15 to 25 yep. percent. And so what so, are you? I've taught across all, all the years, and so I'll, I'll sometimes have the bigger classes and yeah. the smaller classes. At the moment, we're sitting around 20 um, in most of our year groups. Yeah, the reason I bring that up is it's, um, it's the ability to practice actually teaching and coaching, you know, just through sheer repetition and volume um, and how you hone your skill around communication and clarification of message. Um, and that's where it comes quite naturally to me as well um, around that. And I just, I actually um, always discuss this factor with, with other coaches is like, how well can you explain a, how, to, how to coach a snatch and how to coach a clean and jerk, you know, um, if it's not work for, if it works for athlete a, a, B and C, but doesn't work for D, then how good are you at adapting your language or do you just, do you just operate off a well? Here's my, here's my um, cookie cutter type teaching ability, and you've just got to fit into the shape. Um, how many athletes do you reckon you've coached in powerlifting and or any sort of sporting background? I guess. Are you meaning like at one just, time? Just, or just across, across a period, period of years. years. I'm not too sure. Um, in terms of like the powerlifting stuff, there was really when I was doing that. Um, I was self-coaching um, my, yep. in terms of my own programming uh, as, well as, as well as doing my programming for um, John O'Parsons, who used to compete with me in yep. those international tournaments. Um, so I really only had a couple of them back then, and it kind of grew yep. over the years. So obviously with the powerlifting side, I had those guys. And then once I finished up with that, because my, my background is strength and conditioning, like I, I'm not or not purely a weightlifting coach, although I definitely have a heavy tangent towards that being my primary focus. Um, I will still work with athletes from other sports. So I've worked with CrossFitters, you know, maybe 
I don't know, tens yep. of CrossFitters. I, I don't yep. really know how you describe that. Um, and at any one time in the last sort of two or three years, I've probably had between five and 10 online clients. And then with my Yuko weightlifting club, which is kind of how I got into the weightlifting coaching. So um, I might tell yeah, the story yeah, there good. if that's all right, right? <laughs> um, so when I first got into weightlifting coaching, I got exposed to the sport of weightlifting when I was still a powerlifter and could barely hold a snatch grip overhead. Um, and I saw that at a conference when I was up in Auckland and Adam yep. Story, yep. Um, you'll remember him, um, he used to coach at the Olympics and things for Olympic weightlifting um, for, for New Zealand. And so he taught that at a like workshop up there. And I remember watching Eric Helms doing these movements and I'm like, what is this? Like, this is awesome. I've never seen this in real life. Um, and it was kind of a couple of years before I got into that, but I, I remembered the teaching strategy and sort of, you know, the top down approach, I believe that he used when he was going through, how would you teach this to regular athletes? Um, and so my first experience with weightlifting coaching was, as you mentioned before, sort of a baptism by fire. Uh, I had one guy from UCO who was interested. He was a master's athlete. Um, and for probably the first six months of the UCO weightlifting club, it was me and him up in the gym together, me learning how to coach through coaching him. Um, obviously going through all those things that you go through with a master's athlete who has Yes. Um, habits and, and restrictions. Uh, so that was that was kind of my introduction to how do I coach weightlifting and then how do I adapt that. So a lot of the learning was online and then through um, mentors as well, people like yourself, um, like Richie Wong and Chris Gibbs, those sort of guys um, from our national side, um, you know, and, and taking tips and asking those guys questions. So I was lucky enough to know a few people. And I guess that doesn't come from just, you know, nothing you kind of have to make the effort through different circles which for me was our powerlifting seminars and those sorts of things to get to know those people and through the crossfit competitions yeah. just speaking to people you know um yeah so that was that was kind of my first introduction to weightlifting so literally i was one-on-one -on -one coaching of my own accord um for, for a good number of months and then you know organically that that club sort of grew so nowadays you might have between five and 10 people up in the gym with the UCO weightlifting club when we're not yeah, on lockdown, yes, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's my regular in-person coaching I tend to do is with the UCO weightlifting club. Um, and then I have a, you know, handful yep. of online clients as well. Again, when, when lockdown's not happening. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I guess um, moving into that, uh, I think, so what year did you come in? What year do you reckon you officially arrived? I reckon, what year do you think that was? Hayden, HAP was what? Eight, 17, 17, 18? Uh, yeah. 18. So I would have officially started yeah. the online coaching in 18. So I had been doing the UCO weightlifting and barbell club prior to that since probably 2014 yeah, sure. or 15. But it was quite small to start with, as you know, with these things in a small town, it doesn't just yes. grow yeah. suddenly. Yeah, but the. Uh, the, uh, the... What twenty seven sixteen seventeen CrossFit was really flying is probably the best way of saying it. Like there were CrossFit gyms popping up everywhere. I was in a I was mm. in a CrossFit gym at the time, and that's where I built my first weightlifting club. Um, and the availability of people picking up a barbell grew exponentially <laughs> during that period. Um, you know, yeah, and that definitely. were they were either reaching out for um, hey my one RM blah, blah, blah has um, not increased. Uh, could I have a hand? 
um, or, um, you know, I, Tina and Richie were running seminars um, on weightlifting. I remember Catalyst Athletic coming out. Klokov came out. Um, I went to Klokov seminar in end of... 2016 that um, was the year he was actually meant to lift in the battle of the fittest I remember but he, he got injured I remember him putting in his opening um, attempts and it was like 170 210 because um, battle of the fittest was going to had a, <laughs> to open their competition that Alex Porter was running they had um, the first was a f- proper weightlifting competition so um, and, and oh, did my he? brother competed yeah. at that <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I remember because that, that's kind of how I ended up getting into a bit of the CrossFit stuff was I ran some seminars and my brother, yeah, I remember that was, the, he did that Battle of the Fittest comp and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool, yeah, like watching yeah. him do the weightlifting and stuff. Yeah, and I, I remember um, the availability um, of resources went from just the old Cal Strength videos with Donnie Shankle and, and John North. All of a sudden, the Chinese weightlifting was starting to become more prominent, um, you know, and, and I crazily remember people showing me Ilya Illin. He was probably the first world-class weightlifter I ever watched um, in 2013. And then I was lucky enough to be so involved in the sport that I watched um, El Matty 2014 World Champs um, and was lucky enough to see that kind of live-ish. Obviously, I was here. Um, and finding yeah. some sort of stream was just so difficult, but I managed to find one through some VPN and thing. But um, <laughs> I think f- we've seen such a growth in the sport, and it's cool for me to hear that you have that you can run. Obviously, myself and and Wongi and and Gibbo, because when I went and when I went into the sport, people weren't so forthcoming around helping people out. Um, and, for whatever reason, um, and of course I knew Adam's story, but I've never had a conversation with the guy. Um, but it would have been great to be able to pick his brain. Um, I just happened to know Jake Logan through CrossFit stuff, so um, he was pretty um, he was pretty good at being able to have a chat. But he was all the way up north, um, and yeah, I, mm. I kind of went to the first competition. Um, I was coaching a girl. Poetry and yeah, it was. Uh, if it wasn't for Ian Ganaris, um, who could clearly see that I was wondering what the hell was going on, um, who came up and showed me how to sign the cards, and it was this. This was at functional at, at an event there, and um, yeah, I had to show well hide my fear from to, from Kohu as well because I was very very nervous um, about the whole situation, but Ian jumped in and helped me out and showed me what to do there. And that's where I really first met Ian. And, um, but that's changed now. That's changed drastically. Um, we, coaches are more than willing, even, even though we're competitive, we're more than willing to, to have a yarn to one another um, before and afterwards in terms of helping people out. And, um, and part of my role around the sport is making sure that people don't feel like they have to do that. You know, I go to a lot of events. Um, so... Mm-hmm. It gives me a chance for for people to put their face to my name, um, and then I can help out. But it's uh, it's certainly the landscape has changed, uh, even in the two years you've been involved. You know, the landscape has certainly changed drastically. To two or three years you've been involved, it's dr- changed drastically, drastically. Yeah, I think that um, the cool thing with most of it, like the smaller sports I've been involved in, because I mean I've always come from those 
not national level or not national yep. level, not nationally public, you know, sports. So things like I started in athletics, yep. you know, which doesn't get a lot of TV time. Um, I did yep. a bit of rugby, yep. but I was never good, you know, at that. Um, I was just okay. So, I, you know, I started in athletics and I went through powerlifting and, um, and all of these circles and then coming back to weightlifting as well. It's, it's always been, for me anyway, my experience has been there's always been people that are willing to help mm. out, especially in those barbell sports. Um, and I don't know if that's because the community is, is a bit smaller um, than something like a rugby. And so people are more willing to have yeah, you yeah. sort of join their yeah. tribe, I guess. Um, but I've always found it to be quite welcoming. I, I never, I don't know, I, I guess I've been lucky and I've known people a little bit and I've made those connections quite early on because I've realized I need help. Um, I'm not an expert in this area, you know, and so I wanted mm. to learn as quickly as I could so that I could, you know, advance in it as quickly as, as I, as I wanted to, because I, I saw how instantly, I don't know what the word is, yeah. appealing the sport was, you know, the, the speed and the power and the strength that just combined everything yeah. that I enjoy. Um, yeah. The one, I one think sport, it, one going, going to that um, and dropping back into um, our educational roles, it is our, job to figure things out i'm sure you agree you know um mm. and when delivering a message um you're trying you, you've got your own spin on it but you're still i believe real good educators they always have their own spin with a with a willingness to to want to change their thought if it, if it can be shown and i remember um basically um kohu and another girl man in their lunch when i first opened the gym they they came to do CrossFit, but they weren't really keen on CrossFit. They wanted to do weightlifting. And um, it's a long story mm. short. I just didn't feel like I had the skill set um, to progress them. Kohu had already represented New Zealand at a youth level. Um, and Manine was a young girl from Cook Islands who could represent the Cook Islands as well. Came with a very natural skill set um, with the barbell. It just had impeccable timing and was very strong. Um, and But I just felt like I couldn't give what they wanted. So I handed them on to Ian, who was at um, Gillies at the time, which was just down the road from where they were living at Epsom Girls uh, Boarding House. But then I remember ringing Emma Pilkington and saying, hey, you know, what's what's going on? Like, I've given these girls away, but where do I go to learn? Like, who, who do I come and talk to? Where, where, where do I go? Um, mm -hmm. And I remember her and Simon came in to meet me. It was my first meeting with Simon, and I was I was really impressed with Simon in terms of his willingness to um, to open up to open up the sport and Mia's background. And he's been a big pillar for my growth. He's always willing to take a call and have a yarn about how people are going. And um, mm -hmm. um, even though we will at some point have competitors against one another, I don't think I have at the current time. Oh yeah, no, Samara the Kelsey. But even though even though we're in that situation, like <laughs> he's just always been so cool to break that down and and but that's where it, I I got like you. I was like thirsty for knowledge. I'd watched all the Cal Strength videos. <laughs> you know, Glenn Penlay in them. Um and that's actually where I um so twenty eight seventeen, um end of well middle of twenty seventeen, um I reached out to um, 
Ian to help me with a bit of programming for myself because I was just basically following the club program for some strength, but everyone was progressing but myself. Um, and I needed more aspects around technical stuff. And, and then when we moved out of Auckland, um, I, I just I watched Glenn and Cal strength and muscle drive for so long. I thought, far out, I may as well reach out and... Um, and then he started Penlay One, and then and that was it. And then I started with with Glenn, and the, and I learned. Even though I was an athlete, I learned more from him as a, him being a coach than I did as an athlete. He was just, yeah, had an unreal understanding of the sport, um, and a deep passion, like a deep passion for it. Um, yeah, and, and although what I heard more about obviously when he passed away was around that he was the same. It was just like this person that thirsted for knowledge just constantly, you know? Um, but one thing that sticks out for me is he said, I never want to be the reason why an athlete never reaches their potential. And, um, and that really stuck out to me. Um, and that's why I always continue to, yeah. um, look for other ways and I love and admire watching it. You know, social media's opened that up now so we can watch and see what people are doing and, and um, we can steal people's ideas and try to implement and um, measure them. But um, yeah, it's such a cool journey really, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that whole like journey of self-improvement, as you mentioned earlier with the teaching and the education side of things, like when I first started, teaching i'd come from a um you know i'd had a university education in that and i was used to the traditional um teaching yep. approach which was like a stand and deliver type methodology and so i always feel a little bit sorry yeah. for those students yep. that got me in my first semester um because i, I was probably that guy with the next <laughs> yeah, slide yeah, yeah. just talking the whole time um you know th <laughs> thinking that i am the man with the knowledge that gives you the knowledge from the slides um, and so I always, yeah, always feel a bit sorry for those, those first batch of students that had to have me as a lecturer because since then I've kind of realized, um, you know, one of the big things for me is knowing um, your learners and being aware of who they are and genuinely having care about their success. Um, and that's for me where the, where the crossover is so natural between coaching and teaching is you're interested in the success of the person that's in front of you, whether that's a learner or whether that's an athlete. Um, and like that quote you said from Glenn about not, you know, not wanting to be the reason someone doesn't succeed. I, mm. I kind of feel that mm. in both of those aspects of, of what I do. Um, and whether it's that them learning something or succeeding as becoming a coach themselves, or whether that's my athletes becoming better. Um, that's kind of the thing that drives me. Um, and probably one of the reasons why I don't necessarily want um, to coach a whole lot of people myself, because I don't want to limit my ability to yes. um, provide yeah. quality to the ones that I have. So I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite conscious and aware that, you know, probably near the start of last year when yeah. my numbers started to get up, I had to make that decision um, not to have more than, I can't remember what the number was about 10, 10 athletes at once with my online, because I felt after I went above that number, um, my ability to have that genuine yes. care for yeah. them kind of went down. Um, and so, so for me, that's one of my foundations. One of my, one of the key things is I, I want to care and know, um, the people that I teach and the people that I coach so that I can give them the best, um, you know, service, I guess the word is there, you know, whether that's education or whether that's improving them as an athlete, 
Um, and I, you've, I think I have to be quite careful in um, that aspect because I like to give and I like to help, but you have to yeah. be careful in how you do that as well because there's only so much, you know, there's only so much time or whatever that you have, especially with the remote side. It yeah. sounds like it's easier, um, but it's, 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 you know, nurturing a relationship WhatsApp, via yeah, Messenger, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp <laughs> or Skype or whatever. Um, it's actually quite time consuming and quite difficult. Whereas you could cover something in person in a couple of minutes that might take, yeah. you know, five, 10 messages back and forth to get the same thing, you know, that you might get in a couple of sentences in person. So that's one of the things I'm always quite cautious of is um, ensuring that I can still do a good job. So the upskilling's there. Yeah. I not think if, if we, uh, we well. dig into that a wee bit, that online coaching versus in person, um, so fast forward from from Epsom Strength and I, I decide it's basically the same thing. I learn a very harsh lesson in um not being able to pour from an empty cup. Um as much as I loved my CrossFit gym, um I just ran out of energy and uh I was putting um my gym in head of at the time, um Courtney and and Marlowe in terms of trying to see the success of the gym. Um, and then Frankie came along and all of a sudden we had 100% increase in children in the household. And, um, it got to a point that Courtney was like, look, um, I know you love it, but we've got to, we've got to look at us as in the future, what this looks like. And then, so we sell mm -hmm. and, um, and I have to leave. I'm gutted about leaving that and left, leaving up some strength. Um, although they've they've been they've been looked after well in the, um, since then, um, uh, but I come down to the mountain and at that point I've kind of got um, I'm working with a couple of people Amy who I'm still working with and Tessa and um, so basically I went from a team of um, twenty odd to to two to two and um, Amy and Tessa were keen to stay mm. with me online. Um, and then, and then I managed to pick up a few others, uh, Nuko, and then Samara, and then Haley, um, and yeah, I, I really struggled with the online coaching because I, my people skills is is what I really value myself on in relationships, and and I'm always working on that, and I just couldn't gauge what a, what a lifter was feeling over the phone, um, uh, you know, like. I think the more I've gotten into the sport and coaching, which is just like education, um, when I know what kind of mood the person's in and I can read them, then I know it's a day to push or to back off, you know. Um, yeah. And it's the same in education. You know, I worked yeah. in South Auckland and uh, Manirua, which is probably the school I worked at with the most talented teaching team I've worked with. Um, they are, and their kids there are amazing and extremely resilient for what is in front of them. Um, and there are days that you knew that with certain kids, you just, you just let them be, um, you know, they, they, they need a pat on the shoulder more than anything or a, or a arm around the shoulder saying, Hey man, you know, we'll just, let's just get through today and let's reset tomorrow. Um, and having that ability to do that within the coaching realm is, is actually very, very important. Um, within New Zealand. Yeah. It's, and you can't do yeah. that over WhatsApp. <laughs> you just can't, you just can't do it. I used to ring. I remember when mm -hmm. Hayley should hit something really good, you know, and I'd ring 
I'd just ring straight away and um, she'd be in the gym. She'd be like, hello. And everyone would hear me because I'm like swearing down the phone or something like, yeah, awesome. Um, but it wasn't <laughs> just quite the same as when she's here and I can high five and fist bump and hug and, um, and you, you see the, you see the brain click and things like that. So I'm actually really wrapped that I don't have any online people now. Um, uh, and I think <laughs> Haley would openly admit this too, after nationals last year, um, we got to, well, we sat down outside of functional and I, cause she didn't have the, I'd stuffed up a bit and she did have the greatest performance in terms of her snatching. Clean and jerk still went, went okay. But, um, yeah, I said to her, look, mate, I don't, I just don't think this is, we're getting the best potential out of you. And I think, um, we need to work this out. You know, you, we, you either need to move up, um, or we need to find you another coach. And, um, and yeah, look, she's made the decision to move up and, she would openly admit, just like Tessa Wood and Nuko Samara, that being in close quarters is a hell of a lot more powerful um, than than uh, than mm. the online situation there. So, um, yeah, but hey, you can only learn. You can only learn <laughs> from from those experiences um, for sure. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, in terms of your online, so you've got George. What about so George's? Um, is she the first athlete you've gotten into um, a high performance team? Georgia is a. Yep. Yes, yep. for weightlifting. Yep. So, well, for, yeah, for, for weightlifting. She's the first one yep. to, yep, to compete at international competition. So she's based down in Wellington. Um, and she kind of doesn't have access where she is um, through yep. other coaches, which is kind of the reason for the online. Because like yourself, Correct. I think yeah. if someone can have access, regular access um, to, yeah. a, to a coach locally, that's yeah. probably always going to be better than online. Um, but where she's based in Wellington, yes. it's hard for her to get to any of the gyms that have um, the weightlifting coaches you know, easily or regularly. And so it's Palmy's only a couple of hours, so she'll yep. come up here probably at least once a month um, yeah. to do some in-person coaching, which I think is vital. Um, if someone is, you know, and this, this goes for any coach, if someone is a online client, if you can find a yeah. way that you can do some in-person coaching with them, that should always be a massive priority um, because you can change things, as you know, in yeah. person that you cannot change remotely in the same time frame. And so the number of steps forward in a technical aspect or, or even just getting across how you want an exercise done um, is a lot easier when you have 30 seconds to explain it to them before they do it as opposed yes. to replying to the video after the fact and then them having to change it for that session. You know, if it was a Monday session, let's say, and that's where they're doing a snatch plus hang snatch or something like that, and there's a certain aspect of technique you want them to change, um, you know, that they're extending early or they're not finishing there and you want them to fix that, it's a lot easier yes. if you could yeah. change that on set one than you see the video that evening Rolls around. and then they, yep. they have to wait until yep. the snatch hang snatch next week um yeah you know because so that's that's where i think the biggest limiter of it is in spite of that i i think where that is the scenario you have um having a coach who can provide you with technical feedback even if it is after the fact is probably better um than simply finding a yeah. program online and running with that because um, the coach is still able to look at your technical issues um, and individualize that program around 
um, whatever those specific issues are, which means you're not just following a cookie cutter program, um, which don't get me wrong, those, those yep. can work really well. And I actually have some preset programs um, in the works, but that's still what they are, you know, so long as the athlete who purchases that or whatever knows what it is, um, that it's not a program yes. individualized yes. around their weaknesses, yes. it's a generalized program. Um, as you're always going to win if you have someone who can look at you, who can see how you move, your proportions, all those sorts of things, um, and make adjustments to the plan yeah. um, day to day or week to week. Uh, because it's all good and well following a 12 week plan, but it's, you know, generally if a coach writes you a 12 week plan, yeah, it won't plan, say current. Yeah, it doesn't say current. Stay yeah. The 12 week plan. <laughs> Nah, so so yeah. you'll change things. You know, you might have a, a roadmap is what I like to call it. You know, you've got this plan, this roadmap of, okay, these four weeks I'm going to do this and then I'm going to go into this. But week to week you might change, oh, we're going to do this percentage or we're going to do this weight and we're going to scale that back or push that or um, add another set, whatever it is, um, based on the feedback from the previous week if it's online or potentially yeah. even during the session. Yeah, and, and um, so, with you, so with Georgia, um, so she came from CrossFit background. Is that yep? So when you when you took on yep. Georgia in an online capacity, what was your what was your kind of first month? What did your first month and two second month look like in terms of um, coaching versus observation, um, watching what her patterns were and things? What what did that look like? Um, I think with most of your athletes, you'll generally have some sort of a. I wouldn't say foundation or I guess standard type of way that you do things. Um, and so for me, that normally looks like a seven, seven day week. If they're a weightlifter, I'm going to try and get them snatching and clean and jerking each, um, you know, twice a week, the clean and jerk might have one clean day yep. and the clean and jerk yep. day and one jerk day, one clean and jerk day is what I mean by two. Um, so I'll generally start with some sort of a template like that include squats and pulls. Um, and the first thing that I'll tend to try and do is some sort of an assessment. So, take a look at the athlete, the way they move, see what yep. some sort of little technical faults might be, what's their overhead position like, what's their extension like, what's the weight distribution, those sorts of things. Um, and then choosing exercises that you think will assist um, with the weaknesses that you've seen. So for me, yep. when someone's remote, that's getting some videos of their lift sent through. So with Georgia, it was, it was um, lucky enough that she had competed in a competition recently um, and I'd actually, I was coaching Corey down there. And so yep. they were both sharing a platform. I think it was the Wellington champs last year. Um, and they were sharing a platform and I just said to Georgia, Hey, do you want me to right. do your warm up yep. for you? Because she was on her own. She had no coach. Yeah. Um, and I, and yeah. like, you know, when you're, when you're jumping into that yeah. weightlifting world, trying a time yeah. warm ups and things on your own, it's quite challenging. Um, and so they were opening around about the same weight. And yep. so obviously I got to see Georgia lift at that. And so that, that kind of acted as my sort of, I could see how she lifted and what her strengths were and the weaknesses were and kind of make a few, um, I guess, estimations um, around what I should do. And so the other, the other aspect that really threw a spare in the works is um, yes. yeah, Georgia doesn't work right. a normal yeah. seven day job. It's an eight day cycle. So so for me, that kind of had to change my paradigm a bit. And yeah. I guess that's what you say when you're teaching as well, is sometimes things happen and you have to be able to adapt. And so it was, how do I fit this normal seven-day thing into an eight-day cycle? Yeah. And then as well as 
try and fit in the CrossFit, which he was still doing um, for a period of time there. So that's always a challenge. Uh, but that was kind of what I first did, kind of just see what the movement looks like and, and yep. start with a generalist, generalish, sorry, <laughs> um, template yep. style yep. with exercises so that I think are going to when it to comes to um... – then so we've got past week one and uh, month one and month two, so you start to see some trends that or patterns or movements that mm-hmm. start to feature at heavier attempts or out of fatigue. So, in an online capacity, yeah, um, what did you do yep. to kind of address that? I think you one of the things that you have to do is go with selecting exercises yep. that almost so do you select it change. do you sorry um, do you select so, it so you know do you, you select you might... and then give an extended period to work on it or um so that it's visited once or twice in the week and you visit it for two cycles or something what does that look like for you yep are you meaning it like so so Oh, sorry, I'll just explain something first and then, then I'll get into that. Um, so with me, like one of the things that I have at the start of every day, and I think this is kind of something I learned from um, Richie Wong mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. as from Catalyst Athletics, is about like a primer type movement. So if there's a specific aspect that I want an athlete to fix, yep. so let's say that um, arm involvement, you know, like being yep. in control of the bar, putting the bar where you want it is kind of how yep. I term that. I use something like a muscle variation of the movement for that. And so I will normally get them to do their general warm up, Sure. Um, and then the yep. first thing they do will be whatever that primer is, what I call it, exercise. Yep. Yep. And I think I've, I think that's, that I've, I've heard else, Kevin yeah, really use that before, yeah. <laughs> um, but something, yeah, that's where I think it comes from. Um, so priming, you know, just priming the movement. So something like a muscle version will help them to keep the bar connected, keep the bar close. Um, and so you might have that in the program as their priming exercise for, it could be, you know, like a mesocycle, like a period of four to six weeks, whatever it is. Um, and you might see if that change is impacting on the movement. So if they do that prior, that's one way I try and fix a technical issue. So I'll choose a priming exercise that will help them to say, stay connected with the muscle snatch. Or if you're thinking of yep, um, yep. speed in the push under, maybe you're going to do something like a drop snatch. Um, but trying to include those prior to the barbell movement uh, or to, the, to your major movement so that that little aspect of technique has to change or should change. Um, and obviously, once you've had that in the program for a couple of weeks, hopefully with the more standard exercise, you know, yeah. from the floor or from a hang or whatever, you should hopefully see some carryover. And if you don't, then either you need to make sure the athlete's doing the exercise the way that you are intending yes. it. Um, because that could be your first problem, right? The primer properly, yes. aren't seeing them do yes. that primer, maybe they're just not actually doing what you think they're doing. Yeah. Um, so there still is that aspect of it, but I like to try and use some sort of a movement that changes the pattern um, to include what their weakness is. And yeah, as I say, keeping connection to the bar, that's one of the things that often when you see with a CrossFit athlete is, um, and I'm not, you know, no disrespect to CrossFit, yes. it just seems to yep. be this uh, jump and sort of, prey type approach where you extend and then you just try and get under as quickly as you possibly can and hope that what happens from extension to receiving the bar is right. Um, and so that's one of the big things that a lot of CrossFit athletes I've worked with, you have to try and fix is keep them connected and make them yeah. push under or pull under um, 
the bar. <laughs> so that's sort of a common thing that I, I, I feel like I'm trying to um, work on. And luckily for me, that's been an issue I've had because I, that's, that's how I primarily learned and first got exposed to weightlifting was, was through involvement in CrossFit after I lost a bet yeah. in powerlifting. Yeah. Um, ended up doing that for a couple of years. So um, I, I sort of had that same issue where I'm not connected. I sort of extend and then I don't really know what happens from the moment I Yeah, finish, so here, here's a good um, question. the moment I receive. So, so. Do, you, do you think you would – do you think you can capably coach an athlete if you haven't done it yourself? Because – uh, let's let's use weightlifting specific. So you've done CrossFit. Um, yeah, yeah. It's I guess maybe it's yeah. loaded. I, I, I think I think you, I think you can because because if you've lived in a CrossFit <laughs> scenario, you've seen a lot of the same stuff go on, right? Is that fair? And I know, like, um, let's talk about Luke McGrew yeah. for a starter, like. Luke has probably seen double the amount of people do a snatch than I have. You know, um, he's been in it like Alex Porter, like um, Darren Ellis, yeah, yeah. Um, Jason at Newmarket, Paul Birkenhead. Those those boys have been in this game since oh eight or oh nine. You know, so <laughs> they've seen. But I don't. Th- yes. I don't think you can say. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you can yeah, say yeah. they haven't done it. Because because they have. Like, like just I, no when, one who you are yeah, him, I'm thinking yeah. of someone say put put my put my put myself in those shoes and say right I've been powerlifting for five years or six years or whatever and I'm I'm good at playing with yes. a barbell and a squat bench and deadlift but you asked me to coach you clean um, yeah, with, yeah. without some self development and self improvement no um, but if someone if someone is as you as you say you know like us passionate about the sport goes out there finds resources and upskills then I would say, yes, I think there's always a benefit to involvement in the sport. And that's one of the reasons I like to continue to be involved in the sport as an athlete is because the Agreed. things you learn and are exposed to by doing, um, you, you kind of can't teach yep. that. You can't teach waiting for an attempt and how do you keep yourself calm and you can't teach how do I trust my coach yep. to time my warm-ups correctly and I just worry about my job, you know, like those, those subtle aspects of things that you learn of how the athlete's going to feel in certain situations. Um, I think doing is a big benefit in that regard. Yeah. But in terms of co- coaching technique and programming, hundred percent. And yeah. you can learn though you can learn those game day skills by doing that over time. Um, but yeah, it's a, a, being in the trenches having is, is being a in real, the trenches, so to speak. Um, real nerve wracking um, situation when you're, when you're first out there as an athlete. Um, I my first one was the functional strength competition. Uh, remember they do, you know, they do that online one. Uh, yeah, I can't remember what year I did it. I, I Maybe did it that was one year as well. Yeah. Or I think it was, and and like you know, Richie was there and things, and I was shit in my pants because I knew he was an Olympian, and you know, I was um, I can't even remember. I think I may have snatched like ninety odd and clean and jerk like maybe one fifteen. <laughs> um, but the nervousness that you go through is such a, and 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 I I, I explain this to Haley and them uh, and and Samara them I say look being nervous is relative you know like um, a first timer is it going to be as nervous as a person at the Olympics 
in a relative in a relative state. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, mm-hmm. Samara going out for her, um, although she's a cool customer, for her going out for her first opening attempt in Junior Worlds, which is the junior, which is her first world event, was um, was a really nerve wracking time and one that we could only learn by being there. You know, um, this goes back to the principalship thing. I could only learn to be a principal by mm. being a principal, um, and uh, there's no there's no degree in principalship. Uh, you can do a leadership thing, yeah, but yeah. it doesn't um, invite you into a position that what your school community is asking you to often of you, um, and how you've got to adapt and move quickly and be in politics one day and accounting the next. You know, weightlifting is a similar situation that. You only learn some of those aspects by being on the job. And um, um, I think the reason I raise the question is because I know there's some very good coaches out there that may not have the history of competing in the sport, but they're very good coaches. They're very good coaches. Um, mm. Yeah. And and that's what I that's where I say the, the I think the yes you can gain experience in those game day situations by doing and by doing local comps and getting their experience there before you move on to the big comps. So if a coach hasn't been like a, a weightlifter, um, I don't think that pre- precludes them from being a great weightlifting coach. I think we've seen yes. lots of coaches yes. that, um, but but I don't think you can pick it up in a day. <laughs> Yes. You know, like I, I don't think you can go and do a weekend course and then yes. go and coach someone at nationals, like, or or go and go and competently coach someone at nationals. You can you can incompetently coach them at nationals for sure, but like you have to. I think yes. coaching is a, is a lot like the what the athletes doing as well as you're learning by doing. Like you can read a book or you can talk to another coach or you can go to a seminar, but nothing beats the real life experience. It's exactly the same with my strength and conditioning students or my students in whatever area is until like I can teach you about teaching someone how to squat. I can teach you um, about reps and sets and percentages, but until you have an athlete in front of you and you're seeing what's going on, you will not pick up that ability to adapt and change things. Right. You'll have your standardized way of doing it, but then each time that a new case presents itself, you learn something new and you can change some of your practice. Um, And so I think that's, that's like a massive thing is, well, yes, I might not have experience as a coach in the sport yet, um, but I can learn about the sport. I can be involved in the sport, and then I can um, become better at the sport, and I can learn from experience and doing. You know, because if you pick this up later on, it's hard to have been a competitive weightlifter if you're a master. Um, you know, it, yes. it's, the experience is different to what an open-level athlete has, but you can still go and get that experience. Um, you might not be able to full snatch because of restrictions from earlier on in life, but you could still go and do some comps and see what it feels like. Um, you know, your numbers don't matter. It's what does it feel like to wait for my attempt? It's what is it, how does it feel to yeah. walk out in front of three judges and, you know, to do a peak week and all of those sorts of things. Um, you can still learn those without being a great athlete as well. So just because you might be older and have come to the sport at a, at a later stage, you can still go and get that hands-on experience Um if you think it will benefit you, I think it definitely, definitely will be having been an athlete yourself in the sport, but it's not, it's not a hundred percent required. And that, I think just knowing um, what your athletes are going through. And the reason why I ask some of this stuff is around the trends we see in other sports now where the tradition, you know, you look at Graham Henry and the all blacks who was a teacher, headmaster, um, 
you know, you go back through those players, uh, those coaches, mm. but now the tendency, and, and I'm just using rugby as an example, uh, but the tendency for former players to suddenly be um, thrust into coaching positions um, and, and be able to mesh together great teams. I wonder if it's their technical ability or their ability to know what to do with a player on the, the game day, you know, where they, where like, oh, I've never been all black. How, how do I know mm. the demands psychologically um, and, and the stresses of going into game day? Um, and how do I coach an athlete into a position that in mm. the last minute, they're not going to go and drop, um, drop the front row and give away a penalty that kicks and loses the World Cup or um, it's the same situation in terms of that for weightlifting because it's like um, and, mm-hmm. and as crazy as this sounds and I never wish this on anyone but if you didn't know like Samara missed their first two snatches um, and, and her, at Junior Worlds you know we were on the brink of bombing out um, and so when she came, when she came back down and sat back mm. down from the third attempt, um, I I have had athletes that have got to that point and have bombed, um, and I have got athletes that have got to that point and and made their last lift. So mm. yes, I had some experience, but man, um, on that junior world stage, that was uh, yeah the old heart rate. Although I had it very well, I'd like to say. Um, I said I just sat down to Samara and said, "Look, mate, you've done this. You've been in this situation before, um, and you've you've got all of it in you to, to to rectify this." And thankfully, she went out and put away her third lift. Otherwise, she wouldn't have even clean and jerked. So, um, <laughs> I think that's that's probably in fairness one of the biggest game day skills of being a yeah. weightlifting coach is hiding the fact that you're probably as nervous, if not more, um, than them. I remember, I can't remember what event yep. it was, but it was um, Nationals year before last with Corey. Yeah, Papatoitoi, yeah. We had our warm-up platform way down the back. It was at um, Papatoitoi. And, and we were way way down the back corner there. And um, we got the call. I can't remember if it was Snatch or Cleaner Jerk. I think it might have been the Cleaner Jerk. But we got the call, and Jack was working with me at that on that day. And he was like, she's up. And I was like, nah, she can't be up. Like, she'd literally just finished her final warm-up. Um, so I go over to her, oh, yeah, like, yeah. all good. Like, you're, you're up now? And she's like, yeah. oh, now? I'm like, yeah, come on. You know, just trying to act as absolutely casual as you could because the worst thing yeah. you can hope for in that situation is the athlete stress level rises, um, you know, and it doesn't really matter. Like, yeah. if they get to the bar with 15 seconds or 50 seconds, yeah they still have a chance to lift the bar. So, you know, it wasn't like it was dire straights and there was 20 seconds left, but it would have been quite easy in that situation um, to go from zero to 100 and stress out and panic the lifter. Um, Whereas, okay, yeah, we're a long way away, but we're going to take 20, 30 seconds to get to their door. She's going to still have 20 seconds by the time she walks out, chalks up. You know, there might be be 15 seconds left on the clock. We're we're probably going to be fine. She's going to make it. Um, Uh, Where was that? You know, but that... It's a different story. Were you at um, North Island last year? Yes, I was there. That yep. was uh, Northport. 
I remember, I can't, I can't remember who it was, but it was in, in my weight class uh, last year, 89s. And oh, Tutiati. A young Tutiati, lifter. And he sprinted out. Yes. Um, I think he's a crossfitter. I remember that. Trained under Tina. Um, yeah, yeah. And he, he had probably 15 seconds yeah, on the clock. Yeah, he did. Yeah, because I was, was, I, was um, quarter of the gym, I was commentating. Ran out and I was, I was, I was I'm pretty sure that. it was. I was, I was announcing that session. Mate. And he sprinted out and, and nailed it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's that's the opposite, right? That's yeah. where you haven't realised the clock is going um, and you have to panic now. They have to get to the bar. Um, but, you know, those those little those little skills that you pick up from watching other people and doing it, but that ability to have your game face on as a coach yeah. and sometimes the ability to look calm and collected when underneath the surface the water's boiling, yeah. you know. Um, there's a podcast, yes, I think they yeah, call it yeah. Duck Feet is the name of yes, it. Yes, but they're underwater. It. Um, but it's yeah, about a duck, you know, hard. you look at a duck on the water. Yeah. And everything looks calm, <laughs> you know, on the surface. But under the water, the duck legs, yeah, the duck legs are just going hard. So that's kind of one of those skills I think as a as a coach is really important to have on the game day, um, is that ability yeah. to, regardless of what gets thrown your way, to try and remain as calm as you can. It's not for you; it's for the athlete. Um, you know, if you stress out, you just pass it on to the athlete. And and we know weightlifting yeah. being composed and able to. Uh, make the lift regardless is, is really important. Yeah, and you know, I've had... Um, whereas as soon as you get out of your normal rhythm like, and routine... Uh, Bailey Lovett, I remember my change, first so. in the North Islands. Um, not at, I was coaching her and I got sucked into the game somewhere. I don't know what happened. And um, and I missed her opening clean and jerk. <laughs> um, like, we, we, we completely missed it. Like, didn't even get out to have a go. Um, oh, no. Um, and then... Uh, obviously, the most recent one is with Haley. Um, I don't know what I was thinking. Her warm up was going really well. We we're in good time, um, and she was due to. We wanted her to open at ninety, uh, but this was at nationals last year. But she just finished snatching eighty five, and then for some reason, um, when I rewatched it again um, on the live stream, I rewatched it, and Jess from Strength HQ had gone to 86. And for some reason, I thought, because we were we were lower in the lot number, I think I wrote 86 as well, thinking I should go out first, but it was her second attempt. So so um, I was just a brain fart, really. And so Haley actually oh. had to bolt out. Um, and she hit, ended up hitting 86 pretty comfortably. But, um, yeah, I, it was – and I remained calm. But, man, underneath I was – real upset with myself um and <laughs> yeah well that's that uh, we when as you say you know the idea is to no do no harm to yeah the to, to, you know help them be their best and then yep. you <laughs> yeah yeah you and, feel, and i think you know, in there's that no setting there, there um, where the like, learning came up, also was for me <laughs> was um so i put it so she went out the back we put 90 on the bar and she snatches it um and she'd snatched 94 in um, in Samoa earlier in the year, and she had pretty recently done a double at 90. So we were like, okay, let's just – so she hits 90 out the back. Right, let's put 95 on the bar. That's what we wanted to do. But you know what? I, upon reflection, um, she should have just done 90 and 95 um, instead of going straight to 95, you know, like – it, it really, but again, that's where the synergy was missing between mm. her and I because I know I wouldn't make that decision now. But 
it was um, those are those game day things that you learn on. And, and I remember Shane and I yeah. um, having a discussion re the seventy ones competition because it was really well. It got close until um, Sammy pulled away with her big clean with a strong turn and jerk. And Samara was called for a press out at one hundred one and then didn't clean one hundred four. So. Um, mm. But if Samara's 101 is put away, we're one kilo ahead of Sam. So it would have been interesting to see what they would have done because her opener was sitting at 101 as well. So, um, yeah, it was. It, those are those sorts of situations where I guess there's more openness to have a yarn about those those moments. Mm. That looked. Sorry, yeah, yeah, you're there. I, think I, I, yeah, think I've lost, I lost you there. So for a while, yeah, right? I, I guess it was uh, going back to those game day moments. You, you live and learn. Um, <laughs> yep. Hopefully, they're not too big of mistakes. Um, but uh, yeah, so what have you got coming up? We're, obviously, we're in lockdown and and things like that. But um, what do you? Th- when is the middle? When the Central Islands? When is that? I don't know if we're right. going to have that this year. Um, and I think with the lockdown yes. having been, that, yep. that's pretty much off the cards. Um, so yep. we, we had had a Palmerston North Weightlifting Club competition plan. So um, we were going to be running that over in fielding. Yep. But um, obviously that was going to be the week that lockdown started. So we had cancelled that prior to lockdown. Um, so locally, I don't think we've had a Wanganui or yeah. a Palmerston yeah. North competition yet this year just because of the timing and the COVID stuff. Um, so I mean, we hopefully after we get back to level three, it's not too long before we're allowed to have. Yeah, wouldn't it be cool uh, to some sort I of reckon, an event again? Cool to, um, I think I people are going to be maybe we can start a discussion bit, like, and like, wouldn't it be cool to have something like Rotorua way, where it's kind of central? I can talk to Munro about that. I I think people are crying out for something, and that's yeah. why. I mean, we're trying this thing tomorrow. Um, and if that goes well, I think we can try and do something like that again to mm. try and get some people involved. But, um, I, yeah. I just want to see what it looks like um, tomorrow. Um, we're having a test run of the, yeah. and for those who are listening, we um, we are running a Zoom, basically a Zoom weightlifting competition. Um, it's myself and HJP and Gibbo, and there's about six or seven athletes involved, so of varying levels. So if that goes well. Um, we can try and implement something like that, but people are hanging out for stuff, eh? People are hanging out, you know. And and I reckon if we can, if we can um, get something, you know, mm. and maybe we say three weeks after we hit level two, you know, then we're going to meet, we're going to go to da da da, and then it won't take much to organise the actual event. And if we can get some level two refer, uh, level one referees. Then we can almost we can we can put in for it to being a championship event. I think it could um, it could work in our favour. Mm. Yeah, pretty much. That's well, the way I, think, I see it. And look, North but Hamilton Hamilton to, would be involved Trotter, in that. You know, um, if yeah, we had yeah. something in in Rotorua yeah. that was that we could put on something mm. a bit more. You know, maybe it was. I don't know. I just had to talk to Munro or something, but. Or, yeah, I don't know. I think we've probably got to put our heads together because I know people are hanging out to, to get on a platform. 
yeah, I think I think they definitely are. Um, and obviously, because I can't remember how many registrations we had had for our local comp here, but um, we definitely had quite a few keen numbers. Yes. And I mean, people are going to be wanting to do something, and if they can quali- use it as a qualifier for some other upcoming. Yeah, events, well, I'm on the organising committee, we and still, we're going ahead no, as, I'm, I'm, as I'm planned. And we've got an OWZ meeting today, um, so um, I'm going to be putting forward some of these suggestions around. Um, around qualification because we want yep. to give as people as many chances to qualify as possible mm-hmm. um, and 13th 13th to the 15th of November so there's quite a bit what of time date? what date um, but in saying that um, quite a bit of time okay. Okay. remember there's always going to be people that will qualify yeah, nationals yeah. at their first hit out you know there'll be people that have been in the sport that have generally if you've been at nationals you're going to make nationals again is probably the best way to put that but yeah. there are there, there's a group of people that have trained hard and may have just missed out last year that will mm-hmm. make it this year and we want to give them the chance as well as as well as um, some crossfitters that have seen the light and think, oh, I'm going to come over to weightlifting and give this a nudge. 100%. We want to give them a shot to make it. Um, um, and, and you know what? There's more <laughs> and more people just training weightlifting in their garage. Like Haley is working with two awesome girls, never been across it. They just they just love weightlifting and they're doing, she's coaching them. So, um, you know, it's those sorts of people that are popping up out of left, mm-hmm. right, and center that we've got to give heaps of opportunities to get on a platform beforehand. Um, and and give nationals qualification and nudge and just get on the platform in general. So um, coming in, coming out of lockdown, knowing that we're going potentially into level two within two yeah. weeks gives us a scope to be able to say, okay, let's host X comp at Y venue at three weeks after the end of lockdown. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, agreed. Yeah. I think so long so long as we can follow no. all those regulations, then I don't I don't see it being a concern. Like, um, I mean, we don't want to put anyone at risk, obviously, um, by by rushing. But I think I think you're right. Once we get back into that zone where we're considered safe, there's not many cases. Um, oh, as I long agree. as we can follow a lot of those regulations from from up top, it'll be you have people keen. <laughs> <laughs> mate, I'm, I'm teen, well, I've done all the mate, work to to 109 plus. Oh, well, I'm already there. For me to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mate. I, I've, I've given it a good nudge. I've been eating slow cooked. I've been eating three meals a day. How'd you get there without the KFC, right? Right. But, uh, oh, so, so um, okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll float that idea. But otherwise, well, why don't we leave it there today? Um, and then uh, it was that was awesome. I think I've already written some notes here around a couple of things that we could probably yeah, discuss nah, further. I think the remote coaching is certainly worthy of its own um, um, remote coaching versus in-person coaching. I think that's a real cool topic to really explore. I think um, game day emotions is a really cool topic to explore. Um, and I also think um, just technical aspects mm. um you know and and and, and utilizing your skill and around strength and peaking and um, i think we've got a whole range to go on but uh, mate that was real good no i think, think that's I know, cool but um, maybe every couple of weeks yeah, or maybe a, once a week or i don't know what, what are you thinking yeah yeah, I'm... yeah. I I think weekly yeah. or biweekly would be would be ideal. I mean, I had a good time good time yeah. yarning, and I mean, we got to yarn about a lot of different things. 
um, today, but it would be good, as you say, to yeah. get a deep dive um, into some of these topics and to yeah. really explore how we manage those things. Because I'm always, you know, I'm like yourself, I'm always keen to learn from others. And yeah. um, I'd be real keen on how you kind of manage some of those awesome. things, like the well, game day stuff and the emotions. Be, um, and, organize. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm keen as to get into some of these topics with you, man. To be cool. able to put something in like this weekly. Um, and then we can arrange to get that out and go from there. Sweet. Awesome, mate. Well, I'll talk soon. Cheers, Ace Champion. You too, bud. All right, mate. Cool. Sounds right, good, bye. mate.